Maybe if you don't want to talk, you could just listen. I am Mal Foster and you, you beautiful looking hobnobs, you were, you're listening to the latest episode of your third favourite, above average, but infinitely curious podcast, Dimed Out. Uh, hobnobs, by the way, there, term of endearment, just in case anybody's slightly affronted. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a term of endearment, it's basically me telling you that, uh, that I like you. Speaking of like... I am going to go one step beyond here and I'm going to say that you are not only going to like this episode, that's right, I'm being bold here. I'm going to put my brass nuggets on the table and I'm going to say that you're going to love this episode and you have absolutely every reason to because it's flipping brilliant. This week's episode, season two, episode 11, is, as you may have guessed, a guest week. That's not just me waffling on into your brain box, it's me chatting to somebody who is infinitely far more interesting than me. And this week's infinitely far more interesting person than me is the ever-wonderful Brad Godson. Now, I first got linked up with Brad via the power of Reddit. Whilst looking for potential guests for the show, I went into one of my go-to subreddits for these kind of things, and I saw a post by a lovely fella called Chris Cook, who, by the way, is one of the co-hosts of the Beyond Binary Thinking podcast, which I highly recommend. If you like this show, which obviously you do because you've made it this far, then yeah, you should definitely go check out what they're doing with Beyond Binary Thinking. I will throw in a link in the show notes for this episode. Anyway, Chris threw up a post in that subreddit with the title Blind D&D Player Looking to Share How Positive a Hobby It's Been to Pick Up. The, the body of the text, or the body of the post even, was My friend is a blind D&D player who's joined our group. If anyone would like to have him on as a guest, he's very charming and self-deprecating and has a unique take on the world. Now, I saw that and I was like, that is a conversation I want to have. So I got in touch with Chris. We chatted for a little bit. He put me in touch with Brad. We chatted for a little bit. We sorted out a time and what have you. And uh, yeah, we put it together, we got it going, and we had this wonderful conversation you're about to hear. As we get into the conversation, you'll see that Chris's post was absolutely accurate, because Brad is incredibly charming, he does have a wicked self-deprecating sense of humour, but he is also what I like to call a salt-of-the-earth genuine fella. There is no airs and graces, there's no frills, there's no bullshit, there's no facade, there's no pretense. He just is who he is, and I love that. I love that when I find it in people. And it made for not only a great conversation with Chris for the podcast, but it also made for just great conversation off air as well. The conversation you're about to hear, it starts with us jumping into the past seven years for Brad. A lot of the troubles that he's had, a lot of the struggles he's had to face, a lot of the problems he's had to endure. That's where we start. That's where the conversation begins. But we roll the dice as it were, and we find ourselves talking about Dungeons and Dragons, which admittedly I knew pretty much next to nothing about, but did learn a great deal about in my conversation, more to the point I learned what it has meant to Brad over the last year, how much it has helped him cultivate great friendships, how it has been a fantastic agent for change and has been a real positive influence in his life. 
So, without further ado, equip your sturdiest armor, grab your sharpest blade, and have your most magical spells ready to cast, as we're about to dive straight into this wonderful conversation. This is me, chatting with Brad Godson. I've had to relearn a lot of social skills. I can imagine. Um, it's, it's weird because you, you can't see what's going on. So, I mean, I hate saying, what, what, what's, what's happening? Like, guys, hello, hello. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, I, I still didn't get a lot of practice of it because I've just had such a time of uh, the last seven years. I mean, I've had um, kidney failure, so I was uh, I was cut open and went for a kidney pancreas transplant and they found out appendicitis so that went down the drain then about another year later i got a kidney and then 15 months later that failed i've had pneumonia several times peritonitis collapsed lungs uh, fractured bones uh, the, the works um i uh, i lost my mum two days before i went blind as well and this is all type oh, 1 diabetes um yeah she um she she took her own life so it was quite a, a hellish time for me yeah so yeah struggling with depression as well but um well i'm not surprised man that is that is a, a you just pick one of those things to deal with and that's a lot yeah but the the entire sort of litany of that that is is i mean I mean, that, that's a lot of the big ticket items as well. There's a lot of yeah. stuff that goes on when all this is happening as well that just really crushes you. But uh, coming along, my D&D friends at the beginning of lockdown last year has just been incredible. They've, they've really seen me through the lockdown, which is absolutely brilliant. So is that when you found D&D? It was, it was last year? So Yeah, so I, I mean, I've always known it's been around and I've always thought, that sounds pretty cool, but just never got into it. Right. There was always something else on or, you know, yeah. I didn't find the people to do it with. And um, after going blind, I've been looking for lots of things to do. One of the best things I've got is one of those Bop It games. That's really good for, uh, I want to say hand-eye coordination, but it's, it's really not. It's just hand coordination. Uh, I think I do quite well at that. Uh, there was a few... There's a few sort of wooden puzzle games that I got that I took. I was able to take apart and never put together again. Yeah. And just before lockdown happened, I started playing local hotel. They've got a board game on their thing every Monday, and uh, I really enjoyed it. But they weren't into as much playing the the, the more basic games so that I could join in. Um, right. They, they were, you know, they have some very complicated games to play. That's just no chance of me playing them and a bit like the salsa i did as well before i was blind they were kind of like yeah we we not not we don't want you here mm-hmm. but um hang on is this salsa dancing is this what you're referring to yeah yeah uh, so well both the board games and the salsa i did uh the salsa i, I went back and uh, i got to like level five when i was sighted and then I, I went back to him and i was like look you know i'm blind i want to learn from 
level one again. So I'm learning it from yeah. basic and, you know, going through it all and I'm learning it as a blind person. And they were like, okay, mm-hmm. yeah, we can do that. And I was dancing with the same person. I, I did maybe three lessons uh, and they were putting me with the same person each week. And then he, when I sort of said, you know, when can I start dancing with the others and moving up a level, they were like, yeah, we, we can't let you do that. Uh, one, the, you know, the insurance isn't going to cover it and you know we can't keep putting somebody aside just for you uh and i was like that's not really what i want to do though you know i, w- I want to be meeting people and dancing with others and yeah it was pretty disappointing i i stepped away from the south so i could have stayed there and done this the, the one lesson over and over again i was gonna say so you you purposely moved away because you just felt like there's no benefit for me to do this i felt like shit yeah, yeah. it was it was pretty um yeah, thing in like demoralizing, I would imagine. That's the word. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, uh, I stepped away from that, and uh, that that hit me quite hard. My dad, I remember my dad, uh, my sister saying that she, my dad spoke to her, and he was tempted to write a letter to the guy and be like, Rrr. Um, <laughs> "I found out. I was like, no, no, don't don't create waves. I, I wouldn't be able to go back there anyway, even if you did kick up a stink." Because yeah, yeah, it's just going to be a thing. I think I should have. I really should have. It would have uh, kept me a lot fitter. Um, I guess, but I think also, I mean, there is definitely that. But I mean, from from like a sense of your self esteem, and, and you're, you're dealing with a lot of changes. You want something that is going to be able to sort of move you forward. You know what I mean? If you, if you're doing, yeah. what you say you're just doing the same lesson over and over again with the same person. You're not meeting anybody new. You're basically just going around in a loop. Yeah. And I imagine that is the last thing that you would want or need, given the situation. You want to find something where you can have a level of progress and movement in it. Yeah, and something that certainly, you know, tests your limits as well. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I I stepped away from that. The the board game thing as well, that I was, again, a little bit... demoralized and then thankfully lockdown happened so i didn't have to go back because it was cancelled and i i was like yeah i need to find some facebook groups um for cfd and d because you know that's I, I figure that's what i could probably do it's i mean there is a lot of paperwork done but i'm sure there's some way i can get figured around that you know i could drag my dad in on it or my cousin and so i put a uh, an ad out on the facebook uk site uh, saying look i'm blind this is you know what I want to do. I want to see if I can work a way around. Is there anybody that can help teach me the mechanics of the game and uh, help me progress from there? And Chris got in touch and was like, "Yeah, I'm quite interested in this. This sounds quite good." And he hooked me up with his two groups that he had going, with a plan to amalgamate it into one group. And um, yeah, it's it's been brilliant from there on. Chris and, and the other guys as well. They'll help me out with my sheets. They've all got access to my character sheet. So that's the that's the easy part for them uh, for for them, and I can just say what I want to happen, and then yeah, if need be, you roll the dice and see see where it goes. All right, before we get any further, because because I I feel I know like the bare minimum as as a part of of my semi professional <laughs> emphasis on the semi uh, approach to any episode, I did do a little bit of research, but I also wanted to leave quite a bit of an open space uh, to learn. Because this is one thing that I love having guests on for, is learning about things that I have zero knowledge about. So before we jump any further, what exactly is D&D? Like in a nutshell, for people that, like me, 
are coming into this with, with very little knowledge. D&D is a role-playing game, an RPG, where you create a character. Mm-hmm. There's a, a, a small group of you and one dungeon master, the DM, who provides a world, whether it's based on their own ideas or a campaign that uh, Wizards of the Coast have printed out. And you play. You play with a lot of statistics whether it's weapons or spells or attributes that the character has, and dice rolls using dice from flipping a coin all the way up to a 20-sided dice or um, sometimes even a 100-sided dice. Now that you've got the ability for things like uh, Google and uh, Alexa uh, to to roll for you, uh, and you you see where the dice lands, and you, you go from there, you just really run the world however you want to if you want to punch somebody in the face you're more than welcome to (laughs) Um, uh, if you want to run away and fly away on a dragon you can kind of do that as well if you've got the uh, the abilities to do it so the game really is kind of just only limited by your imagination and uh, presuming the abilities of of the characters that are, are within the game absolutely yeah that's that's exactly right See that seems that seems pretty cool because it kind of opens it up to I would imagine to become a different experience each time you play, but also gives you so many, as you say, options. Yeah, well, you you level up as well as you play along. You level up from fighting and from interacting social skills as well. So your characters get bigger and better uh, as you go on, or better, bigger and better, bigger and better, depending on what you're if you're lawful evil or to chaotic good to lawful good. Is it all within like the fantasy realm or, or is it is this something that you can expand into other territories? Yeah, absolutely. Homebrew is where you can just create your own sort of worlds, but you can there's there's Star Trek versions of it. I was gonna say, because this seems like it would lend itself to a whole bunch of genres. Yeah. Uh, for even Firefly, I believe. Oh wow. The version for that as well. But they all kind of really follow the same base platform. But just sort of tweak to according to, to obviously what? What world they're exploring? Uh, a fireball in uh, the the D the Dungeon Dragon version might be a a phaser or a torpedo in the yeah. version. So you change it a bit for flavour. See, that's pretty cool because that, that does expand it outside. Because I, as I say, the very little knowledge that I had, it was just solely sort of pinned to to the fantasy element. And I understand like that's the core of it, but it's it's pretty cool that it also sort of folds out into different genres and and different worlds and fandoms and stuff. Yeah. I, uh, I've, I've only played the, the D&D version myself at the minute, but I think one of our players is uh, looking to do a, uh, a vampire sort of version soon. So um, that sounds quite fun. Yeah. One thing that I did find in, in my sort of very base research is uh, like a summary of D&D being that there really is no winning in the game, that the main objective is basically to just simply hang out with friends and act like weirdos together. Absolutely, yeah. Um, <laughs> before, <laughs> before lockdown happened, you'd normally get together, obviously. Mm-hmm. There were some things about it that you could do as uh, when you were in person. You could write notes and hand them to the DM uh, and it'd be, it could say something like, I pick so-and-so's pocket, but I'm doing it as a stealth. So he'd make you roll the stealth roll, succeed. Then he can say, sort of on the quiet, yeah, you've, you've stolen whatever item it was you were going for. And then when that other person goes to use that item, say in a, a dangerous situation, and it's suddenly not there, what could, help them, could have helped them out of the situation <laughs> and they die? <laughs> you can lose. And if you know if you if you carry the dice, you, you create another one. But yeah, absolutely, you 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 get together. Some some would dress up as well. Yeah. Um, 
get into it. Now that it's moved online, it's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a little harder to do stuff, but it still works. And like you say, it's, it's hanging out and having fun. And through the lockdown, when you know, I've, I've been doing it pretty much every week, I think there's only been a couple of weekends that I, I haven't played with the, the guys that I've got to know. My men, I've, I've had a better social life than the last seven years being blind which is crazy. It's also an amazing thing, I imagine. And it's, it's kind of given you what you were looking for in, in other things, like, as you say, board game night and, and salsa. You were looking for that sort of sort of social connection and sort of ability to move forward. I'm guessing you're getting more of that with D&D. Yeah, I'm getting better and better at the game. I'm, I'm still struggling with the, the role-playing aspect of it. I put all these um, accents together while I'm on my own. And I think, oh yeah, that's a really good Michael Caine impersonation. I'll have to use that in, uh, in, in my next one. And uh, I, yeah, that just totally goes out the window. So I want to get into this. This is, this is connected with your character, right? Because from what I understand, you create your own character from scratch. Yep. And that involves like race, class, look, unique traits and sort of different quirks and stuff. Yep. So there's there's all sorts from elves to dwarves to humans. Then you got the half breeds as well, half human, half elf, half dragon, half human, and uh, the class. You've got assassins, wizards, barbarians, warriors, tieflings, which are a, a kind of a devil sort of human hybrid. Uh, somewhere back way in their line, they've got a bit of devil blood in them. I think you're describing me there, Brad. I'm not entirely sure. It's, <laughs> it's, it's exactly the one I went for, yeah. It's that, it's that little bit of devilishness, have a little bit of fun. <laughs> and then, yeah, the skills, whether you want them to be yeah. a lockpick or you know, if, they, if they can learn how to lockpick or survival skills, things like that. Now, is this, like, when you create your character, because uh, I, just, I just really want to pick your brain about a whole bunch of stuff here, but this one in particular, when you create your character, is that you set with that character or can you change it for each game? Or do some people just create a character and that's that's them? And obviously you can evolve it and adapt it, I guess, if you if you're leveling up and what have you. But is the general general idea you create a character and and that's you? Yeah, there there are ways of uh, changing. You know, you can kill the character off if you speak to the DM, uh, <laughs> or you just let your character die off uh, and re- re- remake one, and they'll they they'll join in somehow further on you know as the characters the other characters journey goes on they'll meet yeah. down the road at another tavern creating the backstory as well for the character kind of gets you a bit invested in the character so you, yeah. you do you do get very invested and you, you you love your character um so you don't really want it to die off i imagine you do get quite attached like once you've spent quite a bit of time if you put a bit of time into the character and you've kind of you've really grown them and you put some thought into it and you've customized it to to be more sort of attached to you i guess and that's an interesting question do a lot of people create characters that are basically avatars of themselves that are sort of representative of themselves or have you noticed and you yourself have you created a character that is completely different from who you think you are because i suppose it lends itself to that you can either mirror who you are in real life as they say with an avatar or you can become something completely different person maybe that you want to be if you're yeah yeah if you're if you're not sure of you know yourself and you know you want to be somebody completely different that you're not if if you're a pacifist in in life and you do sometimes really just feel like punching somebody in the face you can (laughs) your character can go around being a barbarian that doesn't (laughs) fit very much into things and just 
sorts things with violence and you can kind of see how things work out. What is your character? What character have you adopted? So I've got a couple. Um, I started Chris's game with a, a tiefling called Bart, and I actually carried him on to a second game, Jesse's game. Uh, so I was playing the same character, just in different worlds. Mm-hmm. And they they went down completely different tracks. One of them went evil and got killed by some Americans, which I'm still salty <laughs> over. <laughs> and um, Bart, in Jesse's game, lost uh, his left arm they're both blind as well, actually, these tieflings. They're paladin tieflings. So, you know, a fighter of God, but with devil blood in them. So kind of a bit of um anti... Uh, yeah, definitely uh, anti-hero vibe going on there. Yeah, they're, they're both blind, which is, you know, taking after me at the minute. Bart in Jesse's game has lost an arm, which is also something that happens to, <laughs> to diabetic people. They can lose a limb, although he, he did get it back in, a, in the form of a, a fist that could fly off. Uh, on a chain and punch things, grab things and stuff like that. And I've also got another character, Tarkless. She's a ranger elf. And I was told not to go for a ranger because that's who I was thinking of going for with uh, Bart first time. Yeah. And Chris suggested against it. And for Toby's game, I, th- I thought, no, no, I'm going to give it a go, see what it's like. And for a while, it was kind of like, yeah, I'm not enjoying this. <laughs> I really should have listened to Chris. Um, and because uh, I've always been an outdoor person, I sort of thought, yeah, yeah, I kind of associate with that a bit more. And um, I'm now starting to get a few more things that are making her a little bit more exciting. I suppose the good thing about when you build a base character, as if you say, if you're not too happy with it in its original carnation, you can you can change it. You can you can make things sort of fit and, and adapt. I guess. Yeah, absolutely. I've got to ask, Brad, is it purposeful that you've made your, that your characters are both blind? Is that is that a purposeful thing that you've done to sort of represent yourself and throw yourself in? Yeah, uh, with Bar, it was just. Um... I suppose it was a way to make the game more accessible for him as well as me. Mm. Being blind, I could ask a lot of the questions that would be a bit more out of place if my character oh, yeah. was sighted. Right. Tarkless isn't blind. She's, she's fully sighted. But um, it does mean I can ask the question. Like I said, I can ask the questions, uh, what's going on. And I, I suppose it gives the other players that little bit of um, a bump just to remember to describe things that are going on around yeah. which direction that things are going on in and stuff like that. Yeah, it definitely, see, from what I've, I've looked into, it seems definitely like it's a great game for people, no matter what their situation is, no matter what their sort of background of their walk of life that they come from. It's a good sort of resource to either throw yourself in and learn to connect with who you are as a person a bit better, but also allow other people to kind of connect with who you are as a person and kind of see things that maybe they wouldn't see or experience you know what i mean it's like giving people the opportunity to kind of step outside of themselves in in the sense of creating a character in a fantasy world but also step outside of who they are in in the, the real world as well it definitely is yeah and you know if if you're i suppose if you're not keen on letting people know exactly who you are you've got that ability to say oh well it's no it's it's my character Mm -hmm. my character doing this it's a very easy game to pick up as well it does look quite intense and um sort of numbers orientated yeah i knew what i was doing after the first game quite quickly into the first game as well being able to 
look at the sheet and go, ah, that's what I need to do. This is what the numbers I need, etc. Obviously, it's a bit harder for me, but somebody that's sighted uh, and having the, the DM's going to know pretty much what they're doing anyway, and what to look for, what the character needs to look for. So yeah. they can say, it's here, look at this, this number, look at where it says this, uh, look on page one of this and, you know, three quarters down the sheet. A lot of it is uh, is done on apps now as well. So clicking buttons just makes it very easy. And it adds up a lot of the dice rolls for you as well. Puts on the modifiers for weapons or strength checks, wisdoms checks and things like that. Essentially, like uh, technology has definitely made the accessibility of the game easier for you, I'm guessing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't use, I, I, well, I haven't tried using the D&D Beyond or any of the, the apps I've had to utilize my friends to to make my characters and things like that. They've they've given me links to pages of and, and stuff to to look up what sort of spells I can use, what characters are there available and stuff. It's a right ball like though being blind. <laughs> I was going to say that has 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 that kind of given you a sense of trust that maybe you didn't have before. I don't know. Perhaps you know the fact that. Uh, obviously there's, there's a real frustration in the fact that you're having to, to rely on people to, to help you through certain parts of the game but at the same time i imagine that there is also a sense of, of trust being built yeah it's it's one of those games that it can be abused yeah but i think it rarely is uh it's one of those things i mean we play for about four hours each time mm-hmm. um when people used to meet in person, they'd, they'd, they'd sometimes play for eight hours. You know, it'd be hard to get everybody together for one yeah. every week. So, you know, once a month they'd get together and they'd play a big all day. So you don't really want to screw it up for others. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, the, the trust issues I've got with the game, and it's a really massive trust issue, it's, it's with Google. Like, <laughs> Google rolls for my dice, and I swear to God, it rolls fours and fives and I'm just like, oh, come on, where's, where's the big numbers? Where's the high number? I, I, I'm proper sure it's not, it's not rolling fairly. So this, this is just to kind of clarify. So with the rolling of the dice, it's, it's a case, case of probability. Or like a, like, it's like the lower numbers, it's less likely to happen what you've requested or what you've put in as your action. And then obviously the higher numbers give you the, the more chance of, yeah, that's definitely happened. Yeah. So the, the dice you roll the most is a, a 20-sided dice. People's AC, their armor class is usually around the, the 10 to 20 sort of mark. Yeah, and natural one's really bad. Natural 20 is really good. The, your, your modifiers will then take up to, you can take up to 30, 40, you know, whatever your modifiers are. Uh, and then you've got the eight-sided dice, the six, the 10, and 12s um, to maybe roll f- for your weapons and your spells, spell attacks, the damage that's rolled. So you, you roll to see if you can hit them first, and then if you hit above that their armor class, you then get to roll for damage of whatever weapon you're using uh, or spell. So yeah, it's a, it is a probability game. You try not to, I, I think it was Chris that was saying, you try not to worry too much about the dice. And, yeah. Have fun. Well, yeah, I guess you can't because it's you know it's it's not in your hands. It's in well, it's in the chance of of fate or Google, Google's prejudice. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> I guess. And uh, with D and D Beyond as well, I think uh, they're actually starting to put dice rolls in so that everybody can see them. So there's no cheating on the dice rolls now as well. Uh, you know, oh yeah, I, I I rolled my dice. It was a twenty. Yeah, it was sure it was. 20. 
<laughs> and and this one's a 20 as well <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, like i say you know you, i think you you'd know the players that are being a bit shifty with their dice rolls have you found that have you found because like as i said i think that there's definitely a component within this game that can really build up a sense of trust if if anyone enters it with with trust issues which would be me admittedly <laughs> i'd be just like <laughs> second guessing everybody around me at all times but i think it would help me not to to recommend it as a sense of therapy for myself for that but maybe who knows uh but, it can be very cathartic it can yeah. be a very cathartic game in in what way bread what way have you found it cathartic so far it's it is just the being able to do stuff that i can't as a blind person yeah it's um I, I've got a fine steed that I can magic up out of nowhere. I can jump on and I can go galloping off. Uh, I've been horse riding since going blind. It was on a, a hack being led. Arthur, his name was, he, he slipped on a drain and I crapped my pants. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. It was a lovely walk. It was with a group of two and three-year-olds on a tot's walk that my uh, my friend had taken her kid to with. And I was uh-huh. like, can I have a go? <laughs> and, uh, the, the, the stable manager was like, yeah, I don't see why not. We'll put you on a cart horse. He was a big horse. And I'd, I'd been horse riding before when I was younger. So it was, it was nice to get out, but it was nothing like what I used to do. Yeah. You know, I've, uh, I did an indoor skydive since going blind. I've driven. So I've done a few things, but it doesn't compare to, to, to being sighted. So having, the ability to do stuff without any restraints or not too many constraints put on me yeah is is really nice it's uh, it's it's not the real thing but it's like i say it's a good mental health uh, um, yeah i can see that because you do have like this this limitless potential in in the game yeah um which is the complete opposite to to the limitations you've obviously faced since losing your sight so yeah i can i can definitely see how that would be a great sort of uh, enhancer for mental health. Yeah. And like I say, the, so- the social aspect of it as well, having a regular meetup of a group of friends every week is, is fantastic. It's the, the, the last seven years, I, I mean, when lockdown happened, I, I started making a joke, you know, I feel like I've been prepping for this for the last seven years. <laughs> um, you know, I wasn't getting out much. I was spending a lot of time in hospital from transplants or whatever sickness or infection I'd got uh, in the meantime. I stayed quiet about a lot of my problems, my, my health issues. Uh, you know, my friends knew what was going on, but when I was sighted, I went and saw a lot of my friends. I did a lot of the traveling to see them. Yeah. Um, and I, I kept quiet. I didn't want to, to have to you know, put them a hassle for them to come into a senior oh. hospital for essentially something that I'd, I'd done to myself. You know, it's, it's all diabetes related. Is, is that, and, and feel free to, to, to not answer this question if you don't want to, Brad, but is, is that what's led to your, your loss of sight through diabetes? Yeah. Um, I was diagnosed at 14 and it's, it's, it's shit at any age to be yeah. uh, diagnosed with diabetes. My sister was diagnosed at 10, uh, the year before me and she's, uh, I've got, a, 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 what I'm told is, I believe it, a, a very beautiful six month old niece downstairs at the minute, uh, while I'm up here, she's doing really well. You know, she's married now, uh, got, got this little girl. 
and I'm at the total other end of the spectrum, blind transplants, um, you know, things like that. I've got a lot of nerve damage in my feet, so walking's quite difficult now as well. Mm-hmm. The doctor was actually uh, quite surprised at how many toes I actually had left when he was checking my feet the other week. He was saying, you got more toes than I expected because my diabetes was, you know, was so poorly taken care of. You know, amput- feet foot amputation is usually one of the first things that happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was seven years ago, lost my sight. And um, I, yeah, it was, it was almost at the exact same time, you know, kidney failure, um, six months after going blind. Uh, so it was kind of one thing on top of the another. Yeah, so that's what I said, wasn't it? The, uh, the seven years have just been, it's been pretty lonely. I've, I've stayed, you know, tucked up in my room most of the time if I've been home or um, mm-hmm. uh, whatnot. I mean, I was, I was having to travel up to Oxford as well for the, a lot of the doctor's appointments because that's where the transplant team is. Yeah. So asking my friends in uh, Maidenhead to you know, come up, what, 60-odd miles as well. But for a lot of people that don't drive, it's, yeah, it's, uh, it was pretty lonely. I can, I, I well, I mean, I, I can't because I've, I've, I've no experience of what you've been through. But I can, I can perceive that you'd be in two minds. Presumably, you know, you, you want, you want the connection. You want the, you want the help of people that are around you. But at the same time, I suppose your independence is still there. You know what I mean? And you're still kind of trying to cling on to that, and you don't want to. I mean, I'm just like trying to frame it from my perspective. Is I would have a, an issue asking people to do stuff because I would feel like I'm putting them out, even though you're not. Yeah. Um, I've, I've got a lot of friends spread over the country, uh, from Shrewsbury to Wales to Gloucester. So it's normally give and take, you know, when you, when you see friends, you go and see them, they come see sure. you the next time. Yeah. And it, it just feels like it's always going to be my friends coming to see me, you know, mm-hmm. putting them out of their way to, to come see me. I, I, I get told by my, uh, you know by my sister by my friends that you know it won't feel like that if they're they're really your friends yeah and that's true i I would i would sort of cement that as well yeah i've i've lost contact with a few that i was sure i wouldn't and uh yeah um i've met some amazing people through blind club through sports able down the road that have been fantastic so yeah, it's 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 really hit and miss as you know what you think you know. Yeah, I, I suppose it does reshape your perspective of of everything that you've you've kind of thought you've known, as you say. And but also, I suppose it opens up doors to to things that you didn't know. And I guess that's where D and D falls into. Yeah, the the core group that I've got: Jesse, Chris, Toby, Stefano, and um, Luke. And, they've been fantastic for me they're they're a great bunch of people Uh, i'm learning about their their partners and their kids i mean toby's over in sweden um stefano he's uh, stefano and luca in london uh jesse's just down the road from me chris has recently moved from london to plymouth uh he's got a kid on the way so big congratulations to him toby's who's in sweden he's got a little girl lily who she you know she's like two or three i believe and she's already helping him out with the uh, traps and rolling the dice on D to kill us <laughs> um, so when things go wrong you cannot he's got someone else to blame it on <laughs> <Love> it. <laughs> that's it yeah she, she's the bbeg the big bad evil guy girl. um 
but it's i mean we we've we've all done uh we've done different campaigns together you know it's it's uh it's great seeing their imagination at work and how other people yeah. you know work with both their campaigns and their characters yeah it's it, it's been fantastic really really good it's it's funny because it's something that i've known in my periphery for years like it's been a thing that in like touchstone references in movies and tv is something i've mm. never ever ever looked into until sort of setting this out with you but the more i look into it the more that i hear about it the more i'm just like yeah i i kind of feel like i could really kind of get into this and i feel like if i picked this up when i was younger i would have probably been like an expert at the age i am now because it just seems like the thing i would just latch on to coming into it from a new perspective i like the collaborative aspect of it whereas as you say everyone's got their imaginations kind of opened up and sort of going in different places and and sort of working together with your imagination that is what strikes me as oh yeah, this seems like some really good shit. I could get into this. Yeah, it's, it's great seeing the creative juices flowing and it's it's people from all walks of life, you know. Uh, mm. you, you see the classic tropes of uh, it's the nerdy kids on Stranger Things playing it and it's it's such a vast array of people that do play it and uh, you're more than welcome. I'd, I'd love to get you in on a game. I, I could get uh, Chris or somebody to create a little character for you and uh, get you in on a one shot to see who you do. Uh, I would, I would love that. I'm not going to lie, Brad. I would, I would snatch your your hand and take that offer instantly. I think that would be something that I would really enjoy doing. Amazing. Well, uh, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll I'll speak to Chris about it and we'll yeah get on a one shot. <laughs> and uh, you can punch people in the face and throw fireballs at them. That's right. And in 12 months time, when this becomes my new addiction and my wife's complaining that she never sees me anymore, I'm going to blame you. Your, your fans are like, what, what happened to the podcast? Yeah. It's one by month, by month, you know? <laughs> Sorry, guys, wait to hear again. Yeah. Yeah. There's something coming just at some point. Yeah. <laughs> How exactly do you guys do it? Do you do it through? Do you do it through Zoom? Yeah, we do. Um, there's Zoom or Discord. Um, I oh, of course, yeah. Suck at Discord, so uh, <laughs> my friends very kindly play on Zoom. Uh, you can do screen. Uh, you know, I guess you you know about Zoom, don't you? you? Can do the screen sharing and things like that. Yes, and maps and stuff like that can be put up to show where the characters are on the screen. If you're in my campaign, you just got to suck it up and listen to what I've got to say and try and imagine it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah zoom has been brilliant for it i suppose for, for for people like me who who are completely new and estranged from it uh who are maybe looking to to dive in for the first, and i mean i suppose for, for you as well coming into it fairly recently i suppose it's a good way to introduce yourself to it you know it kind of maybe cuts down some of the initial intimidation it might have for some people yeah it's i think um i think it might be swings and roundabouts creating your character for the first time um having somebody by uh, you know literally by your side to to point things out and show you how the dice rolls work is very advantageous mm-hmm. doing it over a zoom call might be a bit more difficult probably a lot less so for a, a sighted person um yeah i kind of just went yeah sure go for it chris go you know you <laughs> roll it yeah let me know actually no i was able to roll the dice yeah um google can roll five dice at a time and so we, he, he wrote the numbers down selected all the right ones for me and it is a very intuitive game to pick up once you know once you once you started and once you know what you're doing you generally start off from a, a level one character which is very basic you know you're, you're struggling to kill rats and not get 
yeah. engulfed by them because it's certain levels that you actually get the cool stuff. You know, level one and level two, yeah. quite basic. Level three, you get some more cool stuff, you know, so on. So it builds you into the game as well. You know, it doesn't just lump you with a load of stuff that you, you'll, you'll forget right. really quickly. And Yeah, see, that I think that is good. And I think the fact that you said earlier that you were kind of to grips with it after your first game is, is pretty comforting for a lot of people that have maybe looked at jumping into this, but have been sort of, as they say, intimidated by the idea that, oh, I'm going to be totally overwhelmed. There's so much to learn. There's so much I don't understand. But to sort of build yourself up like that, I think, is, is a really good sort of ladder tier system to throwing yourself into something new. Yeah, there's um, for if, if you're all first timers, including DM, you can get books that will walk you through the game. Uh, so it will put the bad guys in place for you, it'll give you the treasures, it will give you the encounters that you've got to, you know, uh, the, the impressions you've got to try and pull off. Hang on, hang on. Impressions you've got to try and what? Is this... <laughs> pull off. You know, if, Please explain. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you you, uh, you generally um, a very classical ar- uh, archetype is uh, you you meet in a, a tavern. There's a, a dark stranger sat in the corner that sort of uh, <laughs> sends a, a serving wench over to bring you over and offer you a job. So you got yeah, you got to pretend to be this guy that's lost an artifact or something, and you know offer uh, some reward for these guys to go and find it so it's, there is a definite role-playing aspect to the game you don't have to do it but you should definitely be bullied into doing it i i think but, yeah if you're gonna do it throw yourself in <laughs> yeah absolutely we we enjoy our uh, we enjoy toby's rap voices at the minute that was quite uh, a fun one for, <laughs> to hear him doing uh and his, his, his throat's usually pretty ruined afterwards yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it can get you to and if you're a you know if you're a parent with kid, younger kids you know 10 or uh, 10 or so there's a knights of the dining table i think it's called which is a very much more kid-friendly version less mm-hmm. blood and guts and well no, not less blood and guts less uh, scary stuff going on see i can i can see the tension of being a really good tool for, for kids of about that age you know talking about some of the things we've, we've touched upon the idea of communication and building sort of trustworthy connections with people and and yeah just sort of throwing who you are and using your imagination and collaborating yeah there's a lot of tools in there i think for kids of that age to be a benefit absolutely yeah the, the maths aspect of it as well working out the multipliers yeah. and stuff if you're uh, I, I work with kids in care and I wish I'd known about it because we could have used the tool to have a game and then at the end of the session being like, so how how did that make you feel? Like when you were mm. punching that person in the face repeatedly because he'd stolen your money or something, you know, why did you feel that was a necessary course of action? And what do you think could have happened if uh, it didn't go to plan? that would have been a great teaching tool for, you know, emotions and how to react appropriately. Oh, absolutely. And and a great outlet for, for a lot of kids that maybe have problems actually communicating what yeah. they're, they're feeling or processing. I just don't know how to externalize a lot of the internal. Yeah, absolutely. And then as the DM as well, you've got a modicum of um, control. Yeah. It's not, <laughs> um, it's not um, encouraged, but, you know, working the dice to your favor or to the <laughs> to, uh, to somebody's disfavor isn't encouraged but it can be done as well so you know if you have got somebody that's very much punchy punchy 
they can do it and you can say well actually that didn't hit and now it's his turn to hit you and yeah. you know you're you're barely holding on to life i mean i i worked with kids with a lot of anger issues so you know the last thing we want them doing was starting to fight in the middle of town with some random yeah. stranger with the, the D&D you could show them how that encounter would actually go right yeah you could kind of create a sort of uh, alternative reality replication of it like yeah. if, if you were to do this out there in in the middle of town as you say this is what you might expect to happen yeah. would you want that to happen uh, and looks can be deceiving as well you know you could have an old man that's some ninja monk um, you know <laughs> yeah. a fighter that we could deck somebody three times their size um so you've got to be careful with what yeah. you do so yeah it's scope as a learning tool is is also you know is limitless as well uh, and it's it's just great fun really is last thing i really want to ask i suppose is do you think like throwing yourself into D has kind of helped you come to terms better with with how the world is for you now oh wow um or is that still like a learning? I mean, I suppose it'll always be a learning curve to some degree, but do you, do you feel like it's it's made, I don't know, things things easier for you? It gives me something to keep going for. Yeah, it's um, I I really can't stress how much these guys have helped me, and uh, yeah, Chris getting in touch with me is uh, is one of those things I will be truly grateful for for the rest of my life and uh, i can see our friendship all of all of our friendship just going on for years um that's a wonderful thing man absolutely all right gang so there you go that was me chatting with a wonderful brad godson about a whole bunch of things, really. I mean, we kind of really opened up the idea of what Dungeons & Dragons is. Uh, I learned a whole bunch in the process, which I always love with guests, when I can actually learn something, not just about them, but about something external as well. Um, and just about what a positive force that has been for him. I mean, any time that I can talk to somebody about something that has enriched their lives, something that has given them a sense of purpose, a sense of joy, I, I love that. I always love finding that with interviews and just conversations in general with people. It's a wonderful thing. We're in the midst of very uncertain times, very bleak times, and for some people it's it's a lot, lot worse. So when I hear of people finding these things that give them that sense of power, that sense of freedom, that sense of connection and joy, it's nothing but a delight. It's nothing but a good thing to hear that. So to address the thing that some of you may be thinking at this moment, because we touched upon it in the conversation with Brad about me playing D&D, about me jumping into a game, about me trying it for the first time. Some of you may be here at this point thinking, well, did you do it? And the answer to that is yes. I did. I have officially played my first game of Dungeons and Dragons. Shortly after this conversation, Brad went away and spoke to his people, got something set up, and in a few days after we recorded this, uh, I was thrown into my first, what I believe they call a one-shot, where our sort of convoy was attacked by a gang of goblins, a complete ambush, and we had to sort of fend for ourselves, and we got into a bit of a scrap. I say we, 
It was me, it was Brad, Chris, who originally put the Reddit post up there for me to read and then get connected to Brad. There was Jesse, who I believe was running the game. He was DM. And we had Toby as well. Just a whole bunch of really nice guys who are extremely warm and welcoming and just fun to hang out with. And yeah, that really is the the appeal, I feel. You know, there is, it seems to me, no winning or losing. Yeah, there's obviously strategy and you want to advance, you want to sort of do well. But you are primarily there to just hang out with like-minded people who, as I say, were very warm and very welcoming. Especially from a noob standpoint. Somebody coming into this with little to no idea what the hell I was doing. There is an intimidation factor, especially when you have so many different parts to it. But they made it really accessible. And more to the point, they made it really enjoyable. They even went to the point of making me a character of my own. Yeah, so now I officially have a D&D character. Yeah, I do, that's right. His name is Handel Barstash. Yeah, first name Handel, surname Barstash. And he does, in fact, have a handlebar mustache. He's a level 5 human uh, fighter and a variant I think. Not entirely sure. I need to get to know this guy a little bit better. But yeah, he's a little bit of a rogue. He's a bit of a rapscallion. Some may say a bit of a renegade. He is from a mercenary group who was basically wiped out by a giant monster. He doesn't really remember much. In fact, as I was getting into the character, one of the traits was that uh, yeah, he, his short-term memory is terrible. And that actually helped, because when I didn't know what I was doing, when I wasn't sure of what was happening, when I forgot parts of my backstory, I just blamed it on Handel's memory problems. It's a brilliant tool. It's a brilliant device for somebody that is completely new to this. Um, What else can I tell you about Handel? He's pretty nifty in a fight. He's not bad with his fists. He's all right with a sword. Absolutely terrible with a crossbow, though. Any time and every time I tried to use that thing, I kept getting low numbers. So, you know, maybe a little bit more practice with the old crossbow is definitely needed for handle. In short, I'm not going to lie, I had such a fun time playing. It was three hours that just zipped by, you know, partly because I'm learning something new. I'm having to think, I'm having to be creative, you know, I'm having to think of things for my character. Not only just learn what I can do and what I should do in terms of tactics and strategy, but what my character is, who he is, what I learned in that process, by the way is that he not only likes to harvest the ears of creatures like goblins and basically anything he can get his hands on, but he also likes to steal the shoes off dead people. Don't ask. It just kind of happened, and I ran with it. And that's the fun of it, is it is how much you put into it is how much you'll get out of it, I think. And uh, yeah, three hours, just zip by. Because I'm learning, I'm thinking, I'm being creative, and more importantly... I'm having fun with nice, kind, funny, warm, welcoming people. You know, I can I can see myself falling further down this rabbit hole. To what extent, I don't know yet, but I definitely do want to jump back in for some more at some point. <laughs> I've already started drafting a second character. This is, I'm not even kidding. It's a Goliath. His name is Ilum. He's named after the ice planet in which kyber crystals are farmed for lightsabers. And uh, I'm already beginning to work on his backstory and characteristics. He's a little bit aloof. He's a little bit distant. He's used to cold climates and he's used to cold social climates. But, you know, don't judge him. He's maybe harboring some deep, dark torment. He's maybe been through some stuff. He's maybe seen some shit that you just don't understand. I don't understand. I don't know where it's going. 
I'm kind of having fun putting this thing together. Whether or not I'll use it, I don't know. But it's cool. It's cool to kind of just throw yourself in and get creative. Um, Yeah, I do want to jump into this a little bit further. I want to see where we go with this. And as I do, I will keep you up to date. But yeah, I'm in now. I'm in. (laughs) All right. Outside of Dungeons and Dragons, let's take a quick look at what you can expect for next week's episode. It's another guest week episode. And next week's guest, next week's infinitely more fascinating person than me, is the wonderful Kayla Spears. Kayla has, and I want you guys to check this out, especially if you've got kids. Kayla has a YouTube channel called Storytime with Kayla, and the with is a W with a forward slash. Links will be put out on social media and on the website this week. And she is uh, just a wonderful, wonderful, charming person with so much energy, so much enthusiasm, and such a good motive for doing what she's doing. She's reading children's books but they are not just run-of-the-mill children's books. They are children's books that have important messages about self-acceptance, self-love, appreciation, nourishment, societal issues, breaking complicated things down so kids can understand. Just real important books, real important work. And uh, yeah, it was an absolute pleasure talking to her, and I cannot wait to share that episode with you guys next week. The easiest way to get that episode hassle-free delivered straight to a device of your choosing without you having to lift a finger is also the best way to support what we're doing here on Dimed Out and that is simply to subscribe. We are available via your favourite podcast platform so if you haven't already just hit subscribe. It helps us out tremendously and as I say it gives you the next episode and every episode after without you having to lift a finger. It also makes our entire archive available for you, including last week's episode, season two, episode 10, where I threw myself into everywhere at the end of time, which for those of you who have not encountered this, it is a six and a half hour magnum opus of dark ambient music from Leland Kirby, aka The Caretaker, which is a audible representation slash simulation of dementia. Yeah. It's a lot. It's heavy, it's dense, it's not for everybody, but it is something I wanted to listen to, it's something I wanted to experience, and that is the key word here, experience, and that's what last week's episode was about. So if you haven't checked that out, and you feel like it's something you would be interested in, then uh, yeah, you can find that in our archive and in our feed if you subscribe as well. There is, of course, the additional option which i do like to float out with the caveat that it is a option it is completely optional main show will always and forever be free but we do have a patreon account which you can find at patreon.com forward slash time down we've got one single tier and you can go check out all the goodies and whatnot that you get over there as i say patreon.com forward slash dimed out if you want to take a look at what you can get extra and help us a little bit extra in the process and on that note that's pretty much it for this week as always thank you for listening look after yourselves look after each other and until next week when we're chatting with the wonderful kayla spears keep it dimed out